This episode is brought to you by the Learning Culture Experience, a cohort-based course for learning professionals. You'll learn how to transform your learning culture, transform your people, and ultimately transform yourself. In just five weeks, you'll walk through a system for designing cohort learning experiences and explore the VASE framework for cultivating a learning culture. You will leave the program with your very own cohort learning experience ready to roll out at your company. If you or someone on your team would benefit from learning how to cultivate learning culture and how to bring people together to learn, then apply now to join the program. Go to curiouslion.cloud forward slash experience to find out more. I think it's terribly important to insist on individual values. Learning culture podcast. Initiative, creation, all these things which we value now possible to make organizations on a larger scale than was ever possible before. Learning Culture Podcast. Teach people to analyze the kind of things that are said to them. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Learning Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Barry, and joining me this week was Al D. Al is the founder of Better Work Labs. It is a research, advisory, and training organization that helps other companies create better workplace cultures. Al came on my radar when he posted some research on LinkedIn, which really caught my eye. He identified six trends in how people develop themselves and their careers at work and created an incredible graphic of the of it which we've got in the show notes and wrote up a post on the research and i knew as soon as i saw it that i had to get him on the show to talk through these six categories because i think all of them push the boundaries of the future of learning and talent development at companies and your people will take advantage of these trends no matter what so knowing about them and knowing how you can leverage them as someone responsible for developing or enabling people is i think so so key so in this episode you will learn about those six categories or trends that i'll found during his research and those are the fractional mba online career communities and associations coaching becoming corporate friendly leadership development for all create your own career mobility and the creator economy meets career development. In our conversation, we unpack each of these and talk through some of the examples of companies that he's seen in the space that are offering solutions, as well as how to approach and navigate the landscape of these companies. There is a lot of really deep insight in Al's research, and it was a pleasure to unpack it with him on the show. So I hope you enjoyed too. Please sit back and enjoy my episode with Al D. Hey Al, welcome to the show. Hey, it's uh, Andrew. It's great to great to be here. Uh, Long time listener, first time guest. So I'm uh, I'm glad to glad to have this conversation. <laughs> That's awesome, man. I've been so looking forward to this. We've had to reschedule a couple times, and uh, and here we are. And I think it's um, when I, you got on my radar, you, you put some research out on LinkedIn, um, and we'll we'll speak to that research through most of this conversation. Um, I think that really got my attention, um, in that you were you were spotting trends that, that I've long seen. You gave them a name. Um, I think it was, was really interesting. There's been a bit of time since you also posted that because of this rescheduling. So I think it's been, I'll be interested to catch up on kind of how, you, the, as these ideas have been, you know, have had room to breathe. 
um, where you've seen that the market moving, you know, going forward. Um, but you kind of sit at this intersection of, you know, you focus on talent development, you sit at the intersection of higher education and corporate and your business, you know, Better Work Labs is kind of like bridging those two gaps for people really focus on the talent development side. How did you get into this? Yeah, that's a great question. So my background, uh, Andrew, has just always kind of been in the business of talent and learning um, ever since I can remember. Uh, one of my first jobs actually coming uh, as a high schooler was um, I was actually in charge of a, uh, a team of caddies working at a golf course. And so part of my job was to, to train caddies uh, on the job so that they could be effective caddies. And so I've always just kind of had this, this passion and this interest in how do we get the right people in the right jobs and enable them to do their best work? And uh, this, for me at least, goes back to when I was uh, uh, in the workforce, uh, I was asked to take on a number of different uh, training and leadership and coaching kind of roles. And uh, someone gave me feedback that I was really good at it. And so I just started going off and, and doing that on my own, uh, in addition to working full-time jobs, both first as a management consultant and then a product marketer uh, later on in, in the tech industry. Um, but over time, um, one of the things that I did a lot of is, uh, and I still do now, is I do a lot of career and leadership development work with some of the leading uh, business education institutions in the United States and really helping them think about how do we prepare students uh, to take on these new and emerging jobs and enable them with the skills to be successful in the workplace. And mm -hmm. over that time of really working with some of these this up-and-coming next-gen talent, uh, whether it's at the undergraduate or the MBA level, uh, the questions have started to come from a lot of companies of, okay, now that we have these people, uh, how do we give them the skills, the tools, and the learning that they need uh, to continuously upskill, uh, to find new ways of creating opportunities, and to find new ways of driving value to the business? Um, as Andrew, as I think you probably know, um, you know, the, the half-life of a skill is getting shorter and shorter. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of companies hire on aptitude, on the ability to, uh, not to solve today's problems, but to solve the ones of tomorrow. And so a lot of companies started coming to me to ask, I know you can help us bring these folks in the door, but how do we then give them the skills they need to, to thrive? And, and what are the learning opportunities we need to provide to them uh, so that they can um, upskill and they can continue to drive uh, outcomes for us in this evolving mm. world of work? So mm. that's, that's really how it got started for me. Yeah, and you're clearly very passionate about solving that and take a different approach to it than most people take or, or um, the, the traditional approach. I think there are more and more people that think similarly to us and in terms of how, how better to go about this. So I know a lot of listeners will be excited to kind of explore that. Um, that's the challenge, the, the new solutions that you sort of um, are seeing out there. And so let's get let's get into it. I think this is a really cool piece of research that you did there. Um, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna for those like for those listening, I want to sort of list out the six areas that uh, that you've like to sort of signpost where we're gonna go, and then I've got some questions on each one, and we can we can unpack what you've seen. Um, so these are, are trends for learning in the new world of work, right? Thing trends that will impact how people develop and manage their careers, and I think there's an interesting emphasis on where the agency is there. It's at the the person, right? The employee, as opposed to a top-down director from companies. Actually, do you want to just speak to that point first? Yeah. Well, no, I think it's a it's a good nuance to create. And uh, I do, uh, the interesting thing about this is, is you're right. This very much was, uh, the trends are from the individual and employee level, but uh, we, uh, the, the actual piece is written to give context to the 
uh, L&D professional or the talent developer professional of this is what is, is happening and here is how you can, can play a role in it in facilitating right. it for your company or organization. But yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, uh, people are going to learn with or without you. The question is, are you going to come along on the journey with them and are you going to empower and support them on the journey with them? Um, and, yeah. and, and I think, I think that's just the reality of the world that we live in, in terms of uh, technologies available on demand. Uh, there's more mm -hmm. access to things than there ever have been before. And, and we're going to kind of dig into that. I think in some of these trends, yeah. just in terms of things that traditionally were gatekept, uh, just for, because of their delivery model, um, now mm -hmm. are just accessible in so many different ways. And mm -hmm. I also think that, uh, more and more people are because they see what is the art of the possible are more inclined to actually go and do something about it. And so mm -hmm. uh, I do think that to your point, like there, there is a certain amount of agency that comes um, with, with a lot of these things for the individual. But I do think absolutely companies, if they choose to, can also play a, a role in this. And, uh, and it can be a partnership. It really, really mm -hmm. can. And, and we can certainly talk about, you know, how we do that. And I know that's something that uh, I know you, you and your team really think about and help uh, some of your clients work on as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah. so yeah, that's, a, that's uh, set it up so nicely. I think it's such a great framing because it is about, I think, embracing these like, these trends that are out there that people are going to do anyway, right? And why not be the place that that um, supports them and, and encourages these things? So, so let me let me list them out for folks, and then we're gonna we're gonna dive into them. So, the first one is the fractional MBA. The second is online career communities or associations. The third is coaching becomes corporate friendly. The fourth is leadership development for all. Uh, the fifth is create your own career mobility. And the, fifth, and the sixth is creator economy meets career development. So I'm gonna, I'll am gonna i go through each of those and we'll talk about each of them. But how did you, first of all, how did you do the research for this? Yeah, it's a good question. So uh, I, I think you will appreciate this given the name of your company, but I'm in just <laughs> generally just a curious person. And yeah. I've always just tried to keep an eye on the market. Uh, and just kind of going back to just how something I've always done uh, when I was growing up, one of my favorite mm -hmm. things to do was uh, I was a Chicago Bulls fan, but I was always mm -hmm. checking and looking at how all the different other teams in the Eastern Conference were doing, who their best players was. And so I've always just kind of had this uh, a sense of trying to look out into the market. And so mm -hmm. part of that too, particularly in the world that I'm in, um, being able to have insights into what's going on is really valuable to me as I go out and talk to companies each and every day. And so having kind of a, a good sense of just being curious and looking on what's out there, I've always just kind of had a pulse in terms of what are the new companies that are doing interesting things? Uh, mm -hmm. In addition to that, um, I've, you know, because I've worked in this space for a while, I've been able to kind of meet some of the founders of some of these companies mm -hmm. and having done conversations with them. And so part of it just started with, let's just take a look at what's out there, both in terms of what's externally available, as well as some of the uh, companies that I'm engaging with and talking with. Uh, the mm -hmm. other aspect of it was some of my clients are engaged with some of these companies, and so they're giving me feedback. And then in terms of like how I came up with these, I think it, quite frankly, is probably more art than science in terms of trying <laughs> to put this out there. But mm -hmm. what I really tried to think about, and uh, for, those, uh, for those out there who are familiar with kind of the jobs to be done framework, uh, yeah. was, was trying to look at it through this lens and really thinking about based off of what job employees are trying to do, uh, how are certain things uh, helping facilitate that job? And then trying mm -hmm. to, from there, try to classify and bubble things up. Uh, and then certainly also, I'm a marketer at heart, so I tried as best as I could to put a little twinge on it just to make it a little curious, mm -hmm. a little interesting. Um, mm -hmm. And then the last thing that I, I, I thought about too, just in terms of all of this is just, 
um, where are we going, right? Like what's relevant and what's resonant, you know, mm. for the next like six to 12 months. And so mm. uh, to your point, yeah, like I put this out a couple months ago. I do think a lot of it is relevant. I mean, there certainly have been some macro factors, uh, macroeconomic factors sure. uh, in the environment that are happening. But, mm. uh, you know, at the end of the day, it was a mixture of companies that I'm talking to, research that I'm doing, uh, clients who are using these, and then a little bit of uh, uh, art and science in terms of the marketing, in terms of trying to yeah. put something out there that's going to resonate with the audience. Yeah, and I, so that's awesome. Right? Great answer, and and I can see some of that that product marketing coming through, and you've the way you've named these categories and stuff is fantastic, and just the whole branding of it. Um, so I think what's really cool as well is you've identified a bunch of vendors, technology companies for the most part, right? Content and technology companies, um, which is also like you you know you've been in that world for for a while. Um, to your point, some of these companies may not make it right in the, in the long run, but like I think these categories always. I think well, and I think that was for me like the part that really jumped out, and it gives people a chance to dive into some of the the companies um, in yeah. there. And the other um, thing I'll add to that, Andrew, like yeah. one of the things that was interesting about this is that when I was putting this together, what surprised me—not surprised me—what I thought was really cool and really interesting, and why I'm so excited about this space is that as we talk about some of these companies, some of them are startups, some of them are educational institutions, some of them are media companies. Some of them yeah. are nonprofits. Some of them are venture back startups. And so, uh, but what it speaks mm. to, and I think you're probably seeing this as well, is that um, you know part of learning and part of delivering these comes from authority and expertise, and mm. that can come in a lot of different ways and different forms, right? And there are certainly traditional ways in which we see that in terms of educational institutions, which are still very valid and important. But there's a lot of other players that can do these things, and I think that really also speaks to just the opportunities that exist for employers who do want to uh, take ownership of some of these things. Like there is yeah. something for everyone based off where yeah. your learners are. Um, and just because you might not be comfortable with one, there could be others out there as well. And so yeah. it is really interesting to see this market map and to look and say, oh, it's not just startups or, oh, it's not just the traditional players. Right. It's a really diverse mix of companies and solutions. Yeah. Love that. That's that's a very good point. Um, and so so let's let's dive in um, it, because the first one for me jumped out. Like I'm I'm right away needing this as a, as a solution in my business. So I'm going to frame the problem first, and then we'll talk about it. So this is fractional MBAs. I have someone on my team that has been is an outstanding project manager. Um, she's built our project management function, um, but she's also leadership material, right? So she is now backfilled her role in project management, and she is now going to build out our account management function. And to do that, she we've identified obviously account management skills and frameworks that she needs to learn there. But business acumen is something that that she clearly needs to to work on. And now, previously, you'd have to go and enroll in an MBA and spend you know at least a year more going through a program and you know, all that sort of thing. So now you can do and and a lot of the ones you've listed here are ones that we are exploring. Um, you can do this fractional MBA. So what is what is a fractional MBA? Yeah, and I think what you described really hits it spot on. Uh, I, you know, an MBA in general is a fantastic career accelerant, but it's definitely not the only one, and arguably it's not always the most cheapest. Uh, and, you know, there's always this talk of, like, is the MBA still relevant? And that's a conversation for a different day. But if you actually take a look at what the MBA provides and why traditionally people go to an MBA – you can get some of those similar outcomes today just through different offerings or from different companies. And so, mm -hmm. like, as an example, uh, real uh, applied learning, right? Like, that's always been a hallmark of an MBA. 
you can get that uh, in a different way from some of these other types of programs or mm-hmm. like the community piece or the social learning piece. Uh, mm-hmm. That exists in an MBA, but it can, it can exist in something else. And so the mm-hmm. fractional MBA is just this idea that a bunch of different types of companies, some startups, some just regular programs, have figured out how to take some of those outcomes and value that come from an MBA, package mm-hmm. them up in a different way, either because of the duration, the format, the structure, the learning mm-hmm. modality, uh, mm-hmm. and then offer them in more bite-sized chunks, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you do get kind of uh, things that are out there, like, for example, like Emeritus, which offers mm-hmm. short form kind of courses where they actually do partner with traditional higher education right. institutions uh, to offer these like very specific uh, courses on topics like uh, uh, like uh, uh, like finance or, or mm-hmm. product management or something like that. Or mm-hmm. you can go to a place uh, like Section 4, which is founded by Scott Galloway, and he has mm-hmm. his two to three week sprints on all these different courses that are relevant to uh, digital business and the digital economy. And so with these, you are getting some of the topics or things that could be taught in an MBA or probably taught in an MBA setting, uh, but the modality is done in a fractional way or the, the duration is done in a fractional way. And certainly you can, if you choose to, uh, you can kind of go on a learning journey with these if you want. So in the case of your uh, your individual, maybe they want to start with a, a finance thing and they master mm-hmm. finance, then they could go to strategy or whatever else it ends up being. And so mm-hmm. you would kind of naturally do that in business school anyway, in terms of like right. in the core. But because we've repackaged and reformatted uh, and still getting the same outcomes, that's kind of why I call it like the fractional MBA. So that's just one example of that. Yeah, I love that. And like, so this this person I have in mind is a good example. But I think a lot of companies see this where um, roles can almost be like crafted and shaped all the time, right? It's not, you know, Mm -hmm. like these aren't just set job recs that that are out there and like you sign up for that and that's what you do for the whole time at that company, right? That's always evolving. And so there is this, increased demand for the these micro skills that you can identify and say, hey, these are the gaps in you being able to start, stop doing this and start doing this new thing. Um, so I think, yeah. yeah, super, super interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just, the other thing I was going to add uh, to the point you're making, um, I think what I think employers want, and I think what employees want is they want a shorter cycle time and from, yes. so from class to action, right? In terms yeah. of, you know, look, I, I went to a two-year MBA program. I loved it. It was great. Uh, but there are people out there who are like, I, I don't have two years. Like, what I want right. is like something like in six weeks that I want to do right now. Mm-hmm. Now, I can tell you, I think for a lot of these offerings and companies, what they would really love to be able to do, Andrew, is to be able to say, hey, for this specific role, here is the learning journey that we're going to provide you. So mm-hmm. it's the 101 is going to be strategy. The 201 is going to be finance. The 301 is going to be operations. Yeah. And we're going to put 300 of your learners through the six-week course. And once they've proven that they're applying it, or once we know through like application checks, then we're going to enroll them in this next course, right? So it becomes like this uh, fractional journey towards the yeah. outcome that you're trying to drive. But what it does is it allows you to get uh, that shorter cycle time to application. And then once once that it's it's been applied and once both parties are happy with it, then we can cut the check for the next for the next outcome, right? Versus yeah. having to pay upfront. And I think I think that's the ideal world where I think, mm-hmm. or that is potentially a better world uh, for both employers and and the mm-hmm. and the providers for that matter too. Yeah, an employer is able to like customize those journeys that yes. to match their yeah, which is which I think I know I know people at Emeritus and um, Emeritus and a few of them like kind of looking at, at yes. offering those more bespoke you know, enterprise solutions. Yeah. Yeah. So um, any advice for folks um, navigating this particular category, um, how to to go about that? Yeah. 
I mean, I think you're probably living it, right, in terms of what you're thinking yeah. about for your teammate. But I think part of it is, uh, number one, like what what's the goal? What's the outcome you're trying to drive? And, and also maybe thinking about like time horizon. Um, I think the mm -hmm. second thing is, is like, who do you learn best from, right? Like some of these places, like they pride themselves on being traditional uh, higher education institutions, which have like a bastion of great research and methodologies and things like that. Uh, another example here is Morning Brew. Uh, they're not mm. necessarily a higher education institution, but their focus has been on finding operators who have done this before, right? And so mm. if you're someone who wants to learn from someone like that or like is an industry that really aligns to that, that could be a good benefit uh, for you. So really thinking about, you know, who is, um, you know, who's the person that you, who, who is your trusted source of, of expertise? Mm. And then yeah. I would say just the, the last thing would just be on kind of the modality and the offering, right? Like what's going to work best either for you as an individual or for your learners. Um, mm. And if you're an L&D professional, um, you, you hopefully will have a pulse of that or you can go and ask them about that. Um, but but yeah, like I think those are the things that I would consider if, if I was yeah. uh, thinking about this uh, for, yeah. for someone. Makes a lot of sense, but and the answers to those, no matter what the answers to those questions are, there's going to be a, some kind of solution that fits. That's the beauty of this, right? There's so yes. much variety out there, and yep. it's constantly, constantly new ones popping up. Um, yep. So, okay, so next one, um, online career communities. I think this one's super interesting for me because I was um, I was very involved with a company recently that laid off a big part of its workforce. I used to work there. and. Um, have been part of this alumni group. And one thing I saw for this this group that was the recently laid off was that this informal Slack group basically popped up that um, all of the alumni were helping and they, and those people were helping each other find jobs, right? So that is like the most informal example of I think what this is, is that that's where people are finding jobs, right? There are so many of these communities there that that's where often the, the um, opportunities are, are sitting. So yeah, tell us more about online career communities. Yeah, sure. So I think the the uh, the traditional version of this was your traditional association or trade organization. And I think particularly during the 60s, 70s, 80s, and maybe even the 90s, uh, many people were familiar with their trade organization because they had membership or they paid their dues or mm -hmm. that was where they renewed their license, licensure. Censure. Um, mm -hmm. This is kind of, these are kind of the modern day version of that. Uh, but what's mm -hmm. changed, well, two things have changed. One, uh, the relationship between unions and labor has drastically shifted, at least in the United States, over the last few decades. And so mm -hmm. I think that has definitely put a little bit of a challenge and a little bit of a disconnect between uh, folks of younger generations and uh, traditional associations and organizations. The second thing that has happened is that uh, we have this thing called the Internet. Uh, and mm -hmm. now more than ever, and I think you and I are both perfect examples of this, like you mm -hmm. can go and find your people online. Like whatever you are, like it exists, uh, yep. and and so between those two things, there are these online associations or digital first associations or career communities that are popping up, uh, where people are organizing around a shared, uh, shared kind of uh, value or shared function or shared industry or shared interest, and mm -hmm. what that allows for is a couple things. One, uh, content, right? So content in some form that is relevant, industry or function specific, uh, whether that's through education insights learning. Uh, the second thing is through connections, right? So being mm -hmm. able to uh, meet other people, uh, to be able to connect with them, to share ideas, to share opportunities, uh, to share insights in terms of, hey, what are you seeing in your role as a product manager? Here's what I'm seeing as a product manager, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing is around career, right? In terms of mm -hmm. uh, like to what we're talking, to what you're saying, like how do we find that next opportunity or how do we you know, find other opportunities that are out there? And so 
the internet makes this easier in a lot of ways. And certainly these existed pre-COVID, but I think for many people, I think these actually became more of a thing during COVID because we couldn't meet in person. And so I think a lot of these started to gain a little bit more traction. And then I would say the last thing is, is that um, we're, um, so I'm a self-identified millennial. And so I've been pretty comfortable with always being online, but uh, Gen Z in particular, they've been their whole life online. And so many of them are just as comfortable, I would say, or not all, but like many of them are comfortable with engaging online just as much as they're offline. And so I think more and more of these individuals are going to be turning uh, to these types of uh, these types of places uh, to find expertise, to find connections, to find career opportunities, and to collaborate with others. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that was a great. I love the, the the distinction or like naming that content and connections being like the two big benefits there. Um, yeah, and it's helpful to think through that as someone like in charge of learning um, that you can go and find those things for your people. I mean, even yeah. being part of that and so, as someone who's in that kind of role, just to to find talents, right. Um, the other thing I think is interesting is that these are can be very informal, like like you, yeah. you mentioned, like Discord server or a Slack yeah. that, that gets yeah. opened up, right? Um, even like newsletter subscribers, like Lenny, like Lenny's newsletter, yes. right? Like that, like for people in product, I think it's product marketing, yeah. right? Um, product management, yep. yep. Product management, yeah. Like just being a subscriber on that, where you're not even, I don't know if they they have like an actual community behind it and stuff as well, but like that, like they're new job opportunities all the time just from being a subscriber to this newsletter. Yeah. Well, and to your, the other thing, uh, which I think, you know, from the work that you do. So for some of these, like, as an example, if we take something like pavilion or reforge or product marketing Alliance or some of these other ones, they have a learning component. Learning is inherently social, right? Like there's Mm -hmm. a social component Mm -hmm. to almost all learning when done right. And so what better way to do that than to be learning with other people who are similar to you or that you can yeah. learn from and you can learn with. And yeah. I think that is definitely something that brings people in. I think they definitely come for the content, but they stay for that community and then ability to learn from their peers or learn with their peers, other mm. types of things. And so I, I definitely think it's a great, uh, Lenny's is a, Lenny's, the example of Lenny's newsletter is a great one. Yeah. Um, and, and that is, that also, again, that speaks to the power of the internet, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, because before it would take in the old quote unquote old world, it'd take a lot to get an association up and running to go and okay. serve thousands of members. Uh, but to your point today, like I think Lenny just posted something. He's got over 150,000 subscribers, yeah. right? Yeah. Like that's yeah. incri- like, and that speaks to and the power of the started, internet. Yeah, yeah. Just writing. Just right. Yeah, right exactly. Yeah. Yep. And, and attracted that kind of audience. Yeah. So, so for folks um, running talents yeah. at, at companies, like what, how, what should they be doing? Should they be encouraging people to join these communities? Should they be curating yeah. them? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a, so I definitely think it's a both hand, right? Like I mm-hmm. think, you know, particularly for certain roles or functions, like I think it's definitely something you can consider. I think the other thing you can also consider is that, and I've seen this at a couple of different companies where they partnered with some, you know, specific to their industry or their function, right? Mm. Um, and so, for example, I think Pavilion is pretty popular amongst sales professionals and particularly sales in, in, in the B2B SaaS world. And so, mm. um, you know, a bunch of organizations have, you know, become partners with them uh, because it's, it's relevant and contextual to their employees. Um, mm. You know, and I think, uh, I think the other thing, that could be really, really interesting or really valuable is just, just even, um, you know, thinking about part of why these things can be valuable is because there's probably more knowledge, innovation, and insight that exists outside of the four walls of your company than within it. And so thinking about how can we maybe expand our ecosystem 
right, mm. to bring in additional diverse perspectives or additional insights or additional mm. people who care about the th same things we do. I think there's potentially a lot of value there. But I think as a starting point to your point that you made, yes, making your employees aware of this, encouraging them to join them or, or finding and curating a list of ones that mm. you think are valuable to specific populations, yeah. uh, I think could be a really good place to start. Yeah. Yeah. That's such good advice. And I think it's just not something that and people even know that like I, I don't know any of my clients that have curated a list of newsletters that people could sign up for, right. for example. Like, sure. I think that would be such a low-hanging fruit to be able to provide value to, to people joining um, and even like subsidize some of those paid yeah. ones, right? Yeah. yeah. Yep, of course. Hey, it's your host, Andrew here. I wanted to take a second just to say that if you're enjoying this podcast, we would love it if you did a couple of things for us. If you're watching this on YouTube, please hit that subscribe button. It really allows us to grow the channel and reach a lot more people like you. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, take a moment to leave us a rating and review. It's a great way to give us some feedback and to tell the world what you think about this podcast. So whether you listen to it on YouTube or you're listening to it as a podcast, if you take one of those actions, it would mean the world to me and my team. Thank you. And with that, right back to the show. Very cool. So online um, career communities, you talked about the fractional MBA. Number three is coaching becomes corporate friendly. This is a fun one for me because it's been such a common and popular topic amongst, um, we ran a learning summit a couple of weeks ago. It was like two or three of the seven sessions basically became about coaching. It's so, so important to learning culture, to, to helping people get the most out of the learning and working that they're doing. Um, the gist of, I think, where you're going with this is that, and what you're seeing is that it's becoming more accessible for people. Yes. Yeah. I think that yeah. you're, I think you're spot on. And yeah, I think for a long, well, first off, let me just say like coaching as a tool, incredibly powerful, incredibly, incredibly, incredibly powerful, whether it's right. through one of these platforms or just um, in general, like super, super powerful, super, super valuable. And mm -hmm. yes, like as a result of that, like I think it is important that it does become more accessible so more people can benefit from it. And I think, you know, having worked in this industry, I'm sure you know, traditionally coaches were, you know, you know, traditionally reserved, you know, for executives or high potential mm. leaders or those types of things. And I think what's been great about some of these platforms is that because of the way that they're structured, they've made it more accessible and palatable in, uh, to a wider swath of the organization. And mm. so I think that is uh, a really, a really great uh, element. Um, there also, for many of these, is a technology component to them in terms of uh, being able to track and, and, and track data and things, produce uh, proactive guidance, have nudges, all those types mm -hmm. of, you know, typical common tools we see from SaaS-based solutions. But with that, you know, as a result of that data, helping uh, companies be smarter about, um, you know, uh, driving uh, behaviors or interventions or whatever they're trying to drive, as well as making the individual learner or the coachee um, smarter and more aware of, of what's going on. And so, mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I think this is definitely something that um, is, 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 is getting uh, bigger and bigger. And I just even mm -hmm. saw today that Coach Hub just raised about a $200 million dollar mm -hmm. round, another round. Um, so wow. it's, uh, you know, Better Up is kind of the leader. Sounding Board is another yeah. big one. But there's just a lot out there in this space. And mm -hmm. just a really quick anecdote just to make this real. I have a mm -hmm. colleague of mine um, who 
when I was doing this research, I, I reached out to her to kind of give me her experience with this. And so mm -hmm. she has about six or seven people managers who report into her and mm -hmm. an org of probably about 70 to 80 people. And so one of her people managers was a first time people manager, you know, mid-career, but first time people manager. She had two people who were going to be reporting to her who were older and had more experience. And so mm -hmm. this new manager was having some consternations about how am I going to be able to manage this? Um, mm. You know, I'm a little nervous, you know, is there anything you can do for advice? And so my colleague, what they were able to do is they had uh, a license with one of these uh, coaching platforms. And so they gave him a coach and through this coaching platform, met with this new manager for 12 weeks, I think maybe like once a week for 12 weeks, specifically working on how do I communicate uh, and manage people who are older than me as a first time manager. And mm. the individual said it was the most helpful thing that they had ever gotten in terms of professional development in the workplace. And they just wish they had this even sooner. And so mm -hmm. that's a really good example where that may not have happened for just some, you know, new first manager, you know, in a large organization totally. five, 10, 15 years ago, but because of the power of the platform and technology and democratizing mm -hmm. and making this accessible, uh, this mm -hmm. is a reality for companies. And so that is a problem that is solved uh, through, through something like this, which I think mm -hmm. is, I think is a great thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great anecdote. Um, and so who, who's doing the coaching and, and yeah. uh, uh, the sort of follow-up question to that is like, is it, are these, are, are the options out there providing coaches or yes. um, platform for people within companies to coach or both? Yeah. Yeah. Good yeah. question. Yeah. So uh, most of the time, so take the example of like a better up, uh, for example, so they will go out and, uh, you know, they act as a marketplace or just like Uber would, right, where they mm -hmm. have supply and demand. And so part of what they're going out and doing is going out and finding uh, coaches uh, to, to bring onto their platform to train up and then who can then deliver the, the coaching service. I also do believe um, in addition to one-on-one, -on -one, a bunch of these also offer kind of group kind of coaching right? yeah. uh, packages. Yeah. Uh, but at the end of the day, it, it kind of is that, that matching of, of supply to, to demand. Um, and typically the, the platform uh, goes out and is responsible for uh, you know, being able to kind of uh, 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 staff those, those coaches. And uh, mm -hmm. usually speaking, uh, a lot of times the company that purchases the licenses will have a little bit, some level of uh, customization in terms of, you know, we like, you know, these types of coaches or coaches with this type of expertise or, or anything like gonna, that. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's yeah. helpful. And does a, there's a company, I think Torch is an example of one that provides yeah. the software for companies yes. to so then the coach and the coachee both come from within the company. Um, do they fit into this or is this very much like coaching as a service? Yeah, no, it's a good, it's a good question. It's a good point. Uh, I think it still does. Torch is kind of interesting in the sense that uh, one of the things that Torch does is that they also, uh, it's it Torch is more general leadership development. And so there is some coaching piece, mm -hmm. but they also will kind of build a more programmatic leadership development solution with coaching as a component of that. Uh, but they also have a mentoring platform. They also do some work around individualized assessments. So it's mm -hmm. um, it, it's complement, like I, I, I've talked to enough folks out there who are consider who are, uh, if they're considering something like Torch, they're also considering some of these coaching options, but um, they have a slight, uh, them specifically, Torch, have a slight unique differentiation. Um, and, and part of that is because they actually uh, acquired uh, another company, uh, Everwise, uh, which specialized yeah. Yeah, in, in mentoring. And so, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, they're a little bit different, but they're, they're doing, you know, very much trying to do a similar thing, right, in terms of like, mm -hmm. um, you know, how do we get people the feedback they need so they can be more effective uh, in their right. jobs and be more productive in what they're doing. Right. Yeah, and again, tons of options within within this category yes. as well. So, 
Um, okay, so so that's um, coaching. The the next one, um, I'm curious what you, how you define the difference between them, right? So we've got yeah. coaching being more accessible and and corporate friendly. Um, at scale, and then we've yep. got the next category, number four, is leadership development for all. So, so first yep. of all, like, what is the difference between those two? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Uh, so the first thing I would say is that this is definitely not uh, mutually exclusive, collectively exhaustive. There's probably an overlapping. <laughs> like I was right. saying, it's definitely a little bit more art than science, and there's definitely some bleed over. But I also think it speaks to the importance of also being very clear about the problem that you're trying to solve and figuring mm-hmm. out what the best solution is. The delineation that I made for this is that. Uh, the, the coaching becomes corporate friendly. A lot of these providers are really focused on delivering that, that coaching, whether it's one-on-one or group. Mm-hmm. When I say leadership development for all, there is definitely an accessibility component in this in that it is thinking about leaders outside of just your high potentials and making that accessible, whether that's for underrepresented leaders, uh, whether that's uh, for geographically diverse leaders, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But another, when I, when I put leadership development for all, I kind of mark that as something that's more programmatic versus right. just being individually coaching based. Right. And so right. as an example, I think I didn't put them in there, but Torch really should be in this bucket because if I if I know Torch correctly, it's a combination of individualized coaching, uh, some group uh, formats, getting paired with a mentor, there's mm-hmm. an assessment, and then there's some exercises. And so to me, that is more of a programmatic solution yeah. versus just trying to do uh, one-on-one coaching, which in its own right is a very important thing, but it just is, you know, you're solving two different uh, types of important problems that are just slightly, they're going to need a different you know, solution for it. So, um, yeah. and so, yeah. And, and again, uh, this is also a category that is really interesting in the sense that there are a number of different providers and vendors in this space. You know, you get, certainly you get some of the the ones like uh, Bravely and Hone, uh, and better, uh, which are, uh, there are are in here, which are more like tech venture backed based. Right. Um, you get something like uh, Raise the Bar or Better Manager, which are a little bit more bootstrapped. Something like Forte mm-hmm. Foundation, which is an organization that's dedicated to uh, empowering uh, more female leaders uh, in mm-hmm. the corporate workplace. When they traditionally have specialized in in sponsoring and providing scholarship to female uh, applicants to go to business school, but now mm-hmm. they're developing. Uh, emerging leader programs, uh, like uh, uh, kind of like high potential leader programs and executive leader programs for women. Mm. Um, so this is a mm. nonprofit that is doing mm. that is doing this. And so again, mm. like there's a whole bunch of different types of companies that are all right. trying to do some of these similar things. And so yeah. yeah, I think they're they're looking at this though for more of a programmatic kind of solution versus individual yeah. just coaching. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And and uh, in the the blog post you've written, and I should have mentioned this actually at the beginning, but we'll have, anybody wants to follow along on the diagram and all that, we've got links to the blog post and the original LinkedIn post that you know all, all that kind of stuff. But in the show notes, um, but you you mentioned like it, new manager training is a perfect example of this. Like one, I I just for me it's also like the it's drawing on the best of the creator economy in this. You mentioned yes. Shivani Berry, who's a, who's a friend of mine, yep. her program mm-hmm. Ascend. And like yep. a perfect example, right? Like she, she's put her heart and soul into that program, built up a really, really great program that um, that you can join, that, that female executives can join, right? Who, yep. um, like Shivani, like I always say, Shivani is measured on the, like the market decides whether her course is good or not, right? That's like the, the highest, Bar yeah. to be able to, to reach like she has a successful business because the program's really good and so totally. you know as someone in an LD role that this thing has been battle tested in the open market yeah. right 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 and to the you know the 
the point about there being a lot of different options that are out there. I think Shivani's is a great example where, if I'm not mistaken, she one of her sweet spots really are uh, emerging managers, particularly women who work in tech companies or startups, right? And yeah, yeah. based off of what I know of her pedigree and background and experience, she is the perfect person to be mm. teaching to that audience, right? Because yeah. it's it's something that she's she's lived. And so hypothetically speaking, if I were an L&D manager at a startup that had a lot of like female leaders, like that would be a great option. But mm -hmm. like on the flip side of that, uh, the other day I got an inbound request uh, from someone who was like, hey, do you have a on-demand new manager training? I just need um, content uh, to mm -hmm. supplement all the work that we're already doing. There's another option out there that is a great right. solution for that specific problem and that specific audience. And so mm -hmm. the, the beauty of it all is that there really is something for everyone once yeah. you're clear about your goals and intention. So yeah, yeah. that's, uh, yeah, which goes, yeah, I love that. Came back to the point you made earlier, like getting, answering those questions up front can help you really navigate these places. And, and then you've done the work for people to like kind of give them this lens to look, yeah. at, look at the different categories. Yeah, I love it. Um, yeah, and I think also the benefit of, of some of these programs you list here is the community as well. That that is like that added added benefit that um, that comes yes. with it around that. So you you're all learning together with people from yeah. other companies. Um, lots of knowledge sharing, all that good of stuff. Of course. Yep. Yeah. Um, okay, so so we we're going to come into the final two here. This is more. Both of these are kind of on on career development. Um, yeah. Well, career mobility and then career development. So the first one is, um, which I think is the one I knew the least about. So I was very curious about it and, and enjoyed reading about this. But um, do you call this creates your own career mobility? So yeah. what, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. So in this bucket, uh, so traditionally when. You hear the word career mobility. A lot of times, the vendors that come up are the internal mobility platforms and talent marketplaces, right? right. So the, the general function of this is how do we figure out how to surface, uh, you know, the right the the right skills or roles, and how do we match, you know, employees within our company to them in a way that helps them move internally, uh, helps them draw improve their own engagement in terms of getting in roles that are aligned to their skills, and certainly also hopefully helps reduce. Uh, the cost of hiring in terms of not having to go out and, and hire and certainly the cost of attrition. And so I've put some of those in this space, but there are times when employees don't want to wait for an internal market talent marketplace if they don't have one, or they right. don't want to jump through the hoops, quite frankly, at their company uh, to transition to either a new role or in some cases, a new field or industry. And so I call it create your own career mobility because there are a combination of uh, programs, companies and on some cases tech solutions where people mm -hmm. can literally create their own career mobility. And so I think one of the shining examples that I give is my former employer, Salesforce, right? Mm -hmm. So as I'm, I think you probably know, having worked in tech, um, learning Salesforce is a very powerful skill to have because mm -hmm. lots of people, lots of companies use Salesforce, they need people to implement and maintain Salesforce. And so through the Trailhead learning platform, which is Salesforce's learning platform where anyone can learn Salesforce for free, uh, you can literally build skills uh, around Salesforce, learn how to build applications, implement applications, and then even get certified or, or get certified in Salesforce, which you know then comes their talent platform where you can actually get matched to jobs, where you can mm. actually uh, uh, go and find a, a Salesforce job, you know, from a company that's trying to hire a Salesforce business analyst or admin or the like. And so, mm. uh, and now you have it to the point where not only do are there jobs there, but you actually have Salesforce ecosystem partners like Deloitte, like Accenture, like PwC, 
who mm. are actively trying to recruit people uh, mm. to go to their boot camps so they can learn Salesforce through them. Mm. And then at the end of that boot camp, if you complete it, you get a job interview, right? Yeah. And so all of this is like, you know, can is and there's plenty of stories out there. One of my favorites is uh, there's this guy um, who is like one of the trailblazers at Salesforce, but he started as working in a in a as a uh, in a deli, um, just kind mm-hmm. of like as an hourly worker, uh, learned mm-hmm. Salesforce, and is now making six figures, right? So like nice. just by learning Salesforce, he was able to create his own career mobility, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so there's that angle of it, and then the other angle of it is that you get companies out there. Uh, like one of the examples that comes up a lot is like SV Academy or Pathstream, where you mm-hmm. get these companies that are teaching in-demand skills or, in-demand, or, or hiring, helping hire for in-demand skills. You get that training and that learning, and then you through them get help in terms of finding uh, a role for at a company in that particular skill or function or role. And so SV Academy kind of focuses on sales, uh, but some of these other ones focus on other things. Pathstream is another one of that, where they actually will teach you Salesforce, HubSpot, a bunch of other in-demand skills, and then work with corporate partners to place you in them. And so mm. the reason why I called it uh, Create Your Own Career Mobility is uh, each individual has the ability to kind of take advantage of these, um, particularly if they don't necessarily have an internal talent marketplace or if their company doesn't want to maybe promote that. So mm. That's super interesting. Um, is, would a Lambda school fit under here? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. Yep. Perfect. Mm-hmm. So, and then I hear, what's the, what's the opportunity for companies because um, yeah. I, I can imagine, I could picture a lot of them going, well, why would I want to introduce my people to that? And then they go find jobs somewhere else. Like, yeah. So what's that internal um, use case here, I guess? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I think it's more from a talent acquisition perspective and mm. particularly from mm. the lens of potentially either reducing your cost to hire or reducing your time to hire. Yeah, right? that makes sense. I, I, think, I think that is one way, to, one way to look at it. And I think, honestly... If you look at Salesforce as an example, the reason why Deloitte and PwC and Accenture are all trying to invest in hiring this talent is a they know they can sell this work and they know they mm-hmm. have they know they need they need people to do it, uh, mm-hmm. but b they know that it's not going away anytime soon and so yeah. it's just another diversified channel for them to find really high quality high quality talent yeah. and so I think I think that's the that the, the there's probably more benefit on the talent acquisition side than any, yeah. than anything else. That that makes total sense, yeah. And I love like these are like timeless skills as well. Like mm-hmm. the, sure. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, sales and software yes. development, um, and then right. even Salesforce, like the, being a tool that's like you said, never going to go away. Um, yeah. So okay. So that that was that's a super interesting one, and you definitely educated me a lot more on that. Um, the last one. So if the the one on coaching was my professional, I said it was my favorite. That's probably my professionally my favorite. This is personally my favorite yeah. one. Um, the idea of the creator economy meets career development. So, yeah, what do you what what do you mean by that category? Yeah, no, and I think you and I probably are are uh, walking kind of examples of this to to a certain degree. Yeah. But I think I, I you know I think for a, a long time we all looked at LinkedIn as our professional resume, as in mm-hmm. one of the things that we just it, we just need to have it right just to to put ourselves out there to make us known as a professional, but. What we're finding is, is that there's a lot more tools today. And I also think that we just as a society and culture, particularly in the United States, have shifted to where mm-hmm. uh, we can actually, if we want, use some of the tools that are really made available to creators to fuel mm-hmm. our, our own career development and growth. Right. Mm-hmm. And this is not necessarily something where everyone has to have a side hustle or to do this or to do that. But what it does mean is that 
there are more tools than ever before out there to be able to use them to create things that either allow us to build skills, that allow us to connect with other like-minded people, or that allow us to use the strengths and talents that we have outside of our traditional kind of nine to five, nine to six kind of job. And those can often either lead to personal or professional development, or quite frankly, just fun. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, I think what's, you know, it's not that people didn't have these talents before, they always have had them. It's just mm -hmm. that we as a society have moved to a point where I think it's just more accepted, as well as the tools are now there, where we, if we choose to want to use this as a means to grow our careers, we certainly can. And, you know, for me, I know for a fact that uh, starting a blog and starting a podcast are things that absolutely increased not only the surface area for opportunities for my career growth, but actually built skills that I could then directly go back and use in my day-to-day -day job as a marketer. Mm -hmm. And so there just are so many tools out there now where if they so choose, individuals so choose, they can use them not just to have fun, but also just to uh, pursue uh, growth and development. Mm -hmm. All right. So that's so well, well, well um, framed. I think to me, it's like, the opportunity out there is just is endless, and it's I I, just, I love that that sort of point that it's even if people talk about building an audience and, and that like that's um, definitely a key part of it, and and you you want to be thinking about like the mm -hmm. audience the tribe actually the tribe is better use that word earlier and I, I prefer that it's like you finding like minded people interested in the same stuff as you, but just the the skills you learn doing this the skills yeah. you learn like putting out content. Um, having your ideas be challenged and, and feedback and shaping them and getting better, like all of that's going to benefit you. Even if, like, even if you don't start your own company, like it's going right. to benefit you in, in your career or at your current place of work. Um, so I just, yeah, encouraging that is, is huge. And then you, you raise a very interesting thing at the end of this category in, in your, in your um, blog post on it around companies kind of taking notice of this trend and actually leveraging employees who create who create content on behalf of the company for the benefit of the company um, yeah. and you cite two great examples of it I, I was i was checking them out last night of gong and, and clue um and it's like i think like a linkedin case study of like how those companies have um yeah. have done this like do you want to feel for like pick one and maybe just to tell the yeah. story there no, for sure. I mean, both are really great examples. And I think the, the Gong one comes to mind first only because I have a number of friends that work there, but they basically are allowing their, not allowing, they're, they're basically empowering and encouraging mm -hmm. the employees who so choose to authentically be creators uh, to talk about things that are relevant to potential prospects or customers, but th to do it in like a, their own kind of like voice. And so what mm -hmm. you're starting to see or what when this kind of came out, what you were starting to see is, a lot of different Gong uh, sales executives out there kind of mm -hmm. talking about how I, they actually use Gong themselves mm -hmm. as sales professionals mm -hmm. uh, to improve uh, how they conducted discovery calls or to handle objections or things like that, which is incredibly valuable to that audience of buyer out there who uh, can probably relate to them a little bit better and yeah. understands them a little bit better and helps not only that sales individual or anyone else build credibility, but that also looks good for Gong, right? And totally. and I think the, the the through line there is that you're creating value for an a shared audience, right? In terms of the individual cares about it because they that that that's what they want to be known with. The company obviously is going to care about it because that's what they want to sell to. Mm -hmm. And the uh, the the audience member is getting something hopefully that is of relevance to their own kind of like mm -hmm. day job. And so. Uh, I think I think that's one example of it. Clue is another really good one, and I think you know a couple companies now 
uh, who are a little bit more open to these types of things are trying to also even make it easier for that matter, whether that means like giving them like graphic like kits or like assets they yeah. can use or, or those types of things, or at the very minimum, just like, you know, within reason kind of saying like, Hey, like here, you know, this is okay to do. And yeah. like there'll yeah. be some light, like guidelines, but like, you know, the, you know, I think cause traditionally it kind of wasn't always looked, looked in that oh, way. Oh yeah. So, uh, I told you, I worked at companies where you could never post right. yeah. online. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, this is. I love this one because we started doing the securities live just in a, in a small way. Yeah. We encouraged the team to do research projects, and then they would do a presentation to the team. We would give feedback. They would then turn that into a blog post. And now our blog is a, the, I, there's a new person publishing from the team almost every week. So it's like not just that's me great. anymore. Which is yeah. yeah so that, and that's a small like step in that direction. I, I definitely took a lot from this Gong example to start to have that show up on our LinkedIn page and that kind of thing, because mm -hmm. it's so much more, you mentioned relevance, but it's also relatable, right? It's like yeah. people, yeah. it's not just Gong, like putting out a thing and it's branded Gong. It's like, it's um, by like some nameless, faceless person. It's somebody at Gong, like it's so much more relatable. Cause right. it's your point. It's like someone who's in sales using it. You are someone in sales potentially wanting to use it so much more, so much more relevant and relatable. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Well, so this has been amazing. I just want to, to recap these, Al. I, I think for folks listening, um, we've been taking notes. We covered the fractional MBA, online career communities and associations. Coaching becomes corporate friendly. Leadership development for all. Create your own career mobility. And then the creator economy meets career development. I want to, first of all, congratulate you for an incredible piece of work here. It's so, so well done and executed. Um, Thank you. You followed your curiosity, which I yeah. love. We're definitely kindred spirits in that sense. Um, yeah. Um, what What's next for Better Work Labs? What do you want to, um, what, what should folks check out if they want to keep following your stuff? Yeah, they can go to betterworklabs.com or they can follow me on LinkedIn or connect with me on LinkedIn. My name is Al, last name is D. Uh, and yeah, if... If you're out there using these or considering any of these solutions, let me know. I'd love to hear what you're using or considering. Feedback is always helpful. But yeah, it's always great to connect with like-minded, curious people in the learning and talent space. So Andrew, thank you for the opportunity to chat. And uh, this, was a, this was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a blast, man. Thanks so much for your time. Appreciate it. Hello, hello. I hope you enjoyed that episode. It's Andrew again with a quick message. If you'd like to support the show, the best way to do that is to leave us ratings and reviews where you listened. If you're on YouTube, hit the like and subscribe buttons and feel free to leave a comment. We love hearing from our listeners and viewers. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please take the time to give us a rating and leave a review. Once again, we love hearing from our loyal listeners. If you're listening to this on Spotify, please hit the follow button to make sure that you don't miss new episodes as they come out. And as a reminder, this episode is sponsored by The Learning Culture Experience, a first of its kind cohort-based learning experience for learning professionals in which you will join a community of 50 other innovative learning professionals designing and developing cohort learning experiences that you can roll out in your companies. To find out more about the program and when the next cohort is starting, check out curiouslion.cloud forward slash experience. See you next week for another episode of the Learning Culture Podcast. Thank you for listening.